You're listening to the Ancestral Knowledge Podcast. Navigating through life can sometimes feel like walking through a dense forest without a map. In Ancestral Knowledge Podcast, you will listen to ancient wisdom, spiritual leaders, and everyday people share their life story and what they have learned in their journey. If you want to be inspired and empowered to lead a more joyful and harmonious life, this podcast is for you. Welcome. In this episode, we will hear a personal testimony from Spencer, who has experienced firsthand the very difficult aspects of substance abuse, mainly with alcohol, and how he was able to change his life and find purpose. He describes his journey with getting sober and the effects it has had in his life, how he has been able to maintain sobriety to this day, which is eight years after he initially took true action towards getting sober. He shares with us how he has been able to fill the void in his life that he had tried to fill with alcohol in the past through the service of others and the connection with a higher power. He tells us that honesty and humility are indispensable keys to getting sober and some of the greatest gifts that this experience will leave you with. And lastly, he talks about his relationship with God, how he nourishes it, and what it means to him. This is a very inspiring story, and we hope that it serves you. Hi, everyone. I'm here with a very dear and close friend for many years. His name is Spencer. He will introduce himself in just a moment. Today, we are going to talk about how you can recover from substance abuse Spencer is a recovered alcoholic. He has gone through a very profound period of transformation in his life in the past year, in the past eight years, actually. So now I will just open the space for him to introduce himself. Cool. Thank you, Laura. Yeah, I'm Spencer. I did struggle for several years with uh, alcoholism, and I did go through quite a transformation over the past eight years. I guess, do you just want me to talk about my story and kind of how I came to the point that I was at? Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. So I think my struggles really began when I was in my adolescence. You know, some people that struggle with uh, substance use problems have trauma in their past or abuse. Uh, I didn't have any of that. Uh, I grew up in a very loving home with parents that really cared about me, that did their absolute best to show me that I was loved and give me strong moral guidance. But for me, really, I think my struggles began in adolescence. And at the time, I suffered from a lot of social anxiety and I was painfully shy and I can't really pinpoint it on anything other than around the time I was 12, 13, I started feeling extremely uncomfortable in my skin. I didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel like I was worthwhile. Uh, I just had a lot of feelings of inadequacy. And still to this day, I can't really explain exactly where those came from. I just know that living was extremely uncomfortable for me, especially being around other people. And when I was uh, uh, 14 years old, I started uh, discovering that I could use alcohol and marijuana to change the way that I felt. And I think that uh, some people, a lot of people, can use those substances and take them or leave them. And they can use them and they kind of enhance their lives and they, they enjoy the effect, but they can take it or leave it if it becomes a problem. And I think that other people are more prone to not being able to have control over it. And for me, my use uh, and drinking was pretty dysfunctional from the start. And and so by the time I was uh, 18 years old, I had spent a year and a half in inpatient treatment programs. Uh, I went to two different wilderness therapy programs and one long-term residential boarding school. 
And these were all parent mandated because my parents, you know, recognized that I had a problem long before I did, but I wasn't really willing to embrace any whole wholesale change. So when I got out of those programs, uh, my struggles only really intensified. And by the time I was 20 years old, I was, um, I couldn't stop drinking. My life was centered around alcohol. My relationship with my family was beyond strained. Uh, I had alienated most of my friends and they had stopped talking to me. I was, you know, failing out of community college, uh, which I was really only going to to get my parents off of my back because all I was really interested in was continuing to drink. And I felt like I was disconnected from being a person of purpose, you know, and meaning. I, I was just really lost. And, um, for me, it's just alcohol. I love the way that it made me feel. Uh, and I wish that I could feel as good as I felt when I was drunk sober. And so really, my, my life was kind of falling apart. And I was on probation for a DWI. And I had blacked out behind the wheel uh, with a couple of my friends in the car. And uh, we had uh, crashed into the guardrail. I could have killed them. Luckily, no one was even injured. But I continued to drink after that incident, too. And I think that a normal non-alcoholic person, I mean, normal's really a relative term, but I mean more non-alcoholic, would recognize those consequences and be like, okay, now's the time to stop drinking, you know, like it's time to get it together. But I continued to drink after that and continued to lie about it, even as I was going to like an outpatient counseling center that the court ordered me to go to. So I think that's a testament to the level of delusion that comes with alcoholism. Our brains really will pull the wool over our eyes uh, to keep us from seeing the truth if you're an alcoholic because your brain wants you to keep using. You know, I believe it's a, it is a disease that centers in your mind. And the thing is, like, I didn't really feel like I ever took an involuntary drink, but I continued to use even as it was destroying my life, which to me speaks to the fact that it's, it's a compulsory disease. You keep using in spite of negative consequences. And that's the problem that plagues so many people that struggle with addiction and alcoholism. So at that time, I knew that something needed to change. Really, and if I could pinpoint it to one moment that was sort of the turning point for me, was one night I, uh, I checked into a hotel with some friends of mine, and we were getting drunk the way that we normally do. I, you know, whenever I drank, I, I tended to drink a lot. And normally what would happen when I drank is that the noise in my head would quiet down. See, when I was sober, especially when I was around other people, I would just constantly be comparing my insides to other people's outsides and it would never measure up. And there was all this self-centered fear that was very loud in my head. And whenever I drank to the point of getting intoxicated, that would just turn off. Like my head would shut up and I would feel okay in my skin and I would feel relief. But this night I didn't get that. Like I was physically intoxicated, but my mind was still going. And it was a very lonely, scary place to be because the thing that was my most powerful tool for getting relief wasn't working anymore. And um, that night, I really believe it was sort of an intervention from God. I got to look at my life for the direction it was going. And 
I recognized that if my path didn't change, I was either going to end up in jail or dead. And it wasn't going to take that long for that to happen. And I recognized that. Like, it's like my ego was just sort of eradicated in that brief moment. And it's returned, you know, many times since then. But I got sort of like a window of willingness, as I like to call it. And I recognized that if something drastic didn't change, the outcome was not going to be good. And so in that moment, I'm, I'm so thankful. And I, it doesn't really feel like I created this moment. It kind of feels more like it was a gift given to me. But in that moment, for whatever reason, I decided to be totally honest with what was going on um, with my friends and then eventually going back to the outpatient group and being honest there about what was going on. And um, my friends actually, they were drinking with me, but they didn't drink as much as I did. And they actually suggested getting sober. And I thought that, you know, I never really considered that as a viable long-term life option. And so, but I was like, something really needs to change. And I don't really care what it is, but I just don't want to feel the way that I feel anymore. So I went back to the outpatient program that I had not been attending for the month before then because I had made up some lie in order to get out of it. But I went back and I was just honest with them and was like, hey, I've been drinking this whole time, but I really want to get clean now and I I want help. And I think honesty and the humility to ask for help are and the humility to take other people's suggestions that have been in the place that you're at before but have gotten out of that place are indispensable keys to getting sober if you have struggles with alcohol or other drugs like I had and so that's when one of the members of the outpatient group that I was going to started taking me to uh, some recovery meetings where I found some very compassionate people and I found one person there in particular who kind of took me under his wing and we worked through the 12 steps and and that's really the biggest catalyst that changed my life. We started working on a relationship with a higher power that I still work on today and that relationship is based on serving other people. I When I came into those recovery meetings I, uh, I didn't really have uh, much of a relationship with God but I was open to you know, uh, doing something different because I wanted, basically the reason I did it was because I wanted to feel comfortable. I wanted to feel okay in my skin. And I was willing to take some suggestions that I normally would not have taken in order to try to achieve that. And what really sold me is I came into those rooms and I was honest about the way that I felt. And other people clearly, from what they told me, understood the way that I felt. And it looked like they didn't feel that way anymore. It looked like they had some light in their eyes and some hope and they look comfortable, you know, and I wanted that. And so I just did what they told me to do. And so I worked through the 12 steps and through the 12 steps, it's not like you work them and then you're done and then you're cured and you don't have to do any more work. Really, it's just the beginning. But I believe what that process did is I feel like on a one way to kind of describe the alcoholism is to look at it like a spiritual problem um, or a spiritual disease. I believe I kind of had, if you want to call it like a hole in the soul or like a void I was trying to fill. And I was trying to use alcohol to fill that void. And it worked for a period of time. But after a period of time, the consequences piled up and it wasn't working anymore. And now today, I fill that fill that void, I fill that hole in the soul with a relationship with God. And I think the best and most powerful way that I can connect with God is through serving other people, 
which I try to do on a regular basis. And, you know, I'm, I'm inconsistent at it. I'm definitely not perfect at it, but I can definitely look at my life now and the relationships that I have now. And there's so much more based on service, you know, and I do, I do do so much more trying to address the needs of other people. And I think that working through the 12 steps helped me become better at helping other people. I think that before I engaged in that process, it's like there was kind of like a brick wall between me and other people and a brick wall between me and God. And through exploring my, um, like writing a very thorough personal inventory and looking at why I was resentful and angry at people and why I felt negative and then trying to turn those things over to God and then trying to make right what I had done wrong to other people in the past, I started to remove some of the bricks in that wall between me and the world and me and God. And now I feel, I find it's easier today to have a connection with God. And today, the things that I do to keep a connection with God, to maintain that relationship, are prayer and meditation. Um, I try to do that every day. And when I get on my knees in the morning, it used to be, God, please help me stay sober today. But over the years, it's become, God, please let me help someone else today. You know, please let me forget about myself today. And because I being self-centered is like my natural state. And so I try to get outside of myself self by trying to be useful to other people and doing things for other people. And when I'm able to do that, it's like I'm helping transmit God's love into the world. And when I do that, it's like God's love is flowing through me. Um, so I try to look for opportunities where I can be of service. And one of the best places I can be of service is at those recovery meetings, helping people who are you know new to the recovery process and trying to get their own footing in recovery. And again, like I do this very inconsistently. Like I try to be consistent with it. But in pursuing my own desires in life, sometimes I forget that I need to do this stuff and then I get back in my head. And I believe that if I do that for too long, I am prone to going back and drinking. And it's my belief that I haven't, I, I haven't been cured of alcoholism, but what I have is basically um, I have the choice every day to work towards God and service, you know, and purpose, uh, purpose in the world, or I can just not engage in those things and slowly drift towards a, a state of self-centeredness and selfishness. And um, if, uh, if I do that for too long, I could drink again, and I don't want to do that, which is why I continue walking the path that I'm on. And it's been a really beautiful journey, and I've, and I've gotten to really get to know myself now that I've gotten really free of alcohol. I thought that life wouldn't be as exciting um, when I got sober, but that's been the opposite of true. And I don't live to just go to uh, recovery meetings. Th those help me to stay clean, but like, it's allowed me to get outside and find things that I love and enjoy. Like, you know, a couple of years ago, I got to through-hike the Appalachian Trail, which was five months long and quite an amazing journey but I discovered a love for backpacking. And I just got, uh, in the past year, I've gotten certified as an EMT and firefighter, and I'm really passionate about that, and I'm pursuing that career field. And I've gotten a lot of beautiful friendships. But more importantly than that, like I generally like the way that I feel now. You know, It doesn't mean that I feel great all the time. It doesn't mean that I 
don't still experience depression or, you know, even social anxiety sometimes. But today, like, I don't have to drink to numb those feelings anymore. It's like I can learn to deal with them today. And if anyone else is struggling with what I'm struggling with, there are a lot of different recovery meetings and fellowships that try to address this problem, you know, whether it's AA or NA or Smart Recovery. There's all kinds of different groups that you can get into. But definitely a key is you have to be honest and you have to have the humility that you can't do it on your own. And I, I, for me, in my experience, like I couldn't have done it without pursuing a relationship with God or if you like a higher power, you know, and as far as the whole God thing goes, I still don't know what God is, you know, and I'm, and I'm not a religious person, but I just call it God because it's a three letter word and you kind of get the gist of what I'm talking about. But I was never able to stay sober on my own before forming that relationship. And I've been able to stay sober for over eight years to this point while trying to like live by these spiritual principles and forming a relationship with God. And I have to attribute that success to something greater than myself. And I don't understand how God works, but it it has been working in my life. So I would really say like, ask for help. Don't give up on yourself. Every single one of us I view as God's children and no person is more worthy than anyone else of uh, sobriety, you know, and love and peace. And, you know, in my experience, life can be so much better and is so much better if you're, if you're an alcoholic, like sobriety is the way to go. Uh, I believe that some of us, some people have their struggles with substances and just kind of need to find their path and then they can use and drink in a controlled manner. But I just believe that some of us are, it's going to get out of control once you pick up that drink again. And I've accepted that about myself and I'm not angry about that. You know, I'm happy about that because I've gotten to find this like wonderful spiritual path because I got into the recovery community. Um, But I think it's important for those of us who fit that profile to accept that, that I am a person who, if I start using or drinking, it is going to get out of control. And I need to find something else, some sense of purpose and spirituality to fill that hole left by alcohol. I can't just try to stop drinking and not replace it with something. But I can tell you that for me, spirituality has been more than an adequate replacement for it. So I hope that anyone who's struggling with it discovers that sort of thing for themselves. And this is just my experience. Uh, I think it's, I'm far from the only, uh, this is far from the only one way to uh, recover from alcoholism, but it's what's worked for me. So I guess that's kind of my story. Thank you so much. That's such a beautiful and inspirational story. And we really hope that it touches you and inspires you if you're seeking inspiration or if you are going through something similar in your life, that you can hear these stories of people that have gone through it and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel that you can get help and that there's many beautiful willing human beings to help you in your journey thank you for listening if you'd like to learn more visit www.ancestralknowledgeretreat.com we hope this information has served you and you put it into practice to live a more joyful and harmonious life until next time